Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast from filmstage.com. With me today, we have, well, actually, first of all, I'm your host, Brian Jerome. Oh, it's going to be a bad episode. <laughs> With me today, we have Robin Barr. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now I'm going to hit the pedal to loop that for the rest of the soundtrack. This is great. <laughs> I'm glad we got that out of the way. Bill Graham. Uh, yeah, I'm a man. <laughs> um, I don't even know what to do with that. And with us today to talk about the newest film from writer-director Alex Garland, Men, which is out in theaters now, we have everyone's favorite bisexual cryptozoologist, Andrews. <laughs> That's the best introduction I've ever received. Thank you so much. I'm pretty sure I'm you so said excited that, to be like, here. The first time I did it, but I, yep. I just I grab it from your Twitter bio, of course. But like I remember yes. the first time that you were like, "Oh my god, I'm happy you did that." And meanwhile, Michael Snydell was scandalized because he thought I'd gone rogue or something. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. He was like, "You can't just say that about people." <laughs> you're like, "No, no, no." I am self-described bisexual yes. cryptozoologist. So he's like, "You went to." bisexual cryptozoology school you got your honestly that would be the dream that is the dream i will admit it's like an x-rated hogwarts and (laughs) Uh, i believe hogwarts is an x-rated hogwarts we just don't see the x Mm -hmm. things one of the many reasons i never bothered to read those books um fuck you (laughs) okay uh bugger off i guess she's she's spicy right now She's full yeah. of Chinese food. <laughs> yep. Oh, boy. Anyway. Uh, How dare very... you besmirch Harry Potter? Ugh. I didn't besmirch. <laughs> One of the many reasons I didn't read that trash. I didn't. First of all, <laughs> wow. I don't know what to make of the voice that you decided to give me. I, I enjoyed it. Bitchy 12-year-old girl, I guess, suits my personality. Um I didn't call it trash. That's something that you put on yourself for this moment. And anyway, uh, Mary Beth, would you like to introduce yourself to the <laughs> listening audience? Yeah, sure. I will do that. Um, I'm Mary Beth McAndrews. I am the editor in chief for Dread Central, which is a horror movie site where we write editorials and news and reviews and all that good stuff. Um, I also write across the internet for places like Slash Film. And um, Paste Magazine. And I've also previously written for a bunch of other places. I also host two podcasts, Scarred for Life and Watch Once Never Again. Nice. And uh, of course, you've been on this podcast. I have, in fact, been on this podcast. Yes. You and I, through the power of chaos magic, willed an episode on the Mothman prophecies into being. That was it was incredible. It was the best. It was an incredible experience. And I'm currently trying to do the same thing. With the Legend of Tarzan, <laughs> but I'm having less luck. Interesting. 
interesting. Robin is Very really. Interesting. Robin is <laughs> she, really, she's like, why? Robin is really pushing back against us doing that that thing that I just said. <laughs> the legend. Not an IP. I am interested in. Uh, it's not an IP. I'm interested in either. You know, but sometimes <laughs> gods throw something at you, and you just have to take it. It's a cast I'm interested in. Right. I think it would probably be an interesting movie to look back on, especially because uh, no it, I mean it, it's exists. probably bad. I'm Wait, is something Alexander? Are you talking about the Alexander Skarsgård one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's wow. got a hell of a cast. It's got a hell of a cast. Agreed. But anyway, uh, we're not here yet to talk about the Legend of Tarzan. We are here to talk about men, men. Uh, both the movie and perhaps the uh, half of the human race, and. Um, That'll be fun. I'm sure this will be wonderful. I'm going to preface this whole thing by saying that I am exhausted. I may fall asleep while recording this podcast. (laughs) uh, There's nothing to be done about it. It's been a very, very long (laughs) weekend. Uh, Thanks to everyone who came out to the art show at the distillery. You guys rock. Um, And uh, yeah, so that's that's cool. Other than that, uh, all the usual stuff. Uh, find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. And of course, you can go to patreon.com slash The Film Stage Show to give us your money. Uh, for as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our Slack channel and first crack at all of our raffles. And you can email us podcast at thefilmstage.com. And don't forget to give us a comment and a rating on all of the uh, places where you can do that for podcasts. And also, don't forget that this episode of The Film Stage Show is brought to you by Movie. Uh, which is a curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from all over this planet of Earth. Every day, a movie beer is a new film. Uh, it can be a Thomas classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece. Uh, it's guaranteed to either be a movie that you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before, and there will always be something new to discover. With movie, each and every film is hand-selected, so you never spend more time looking for something great to watch. Instead, you'll actually be watching something great. It's like your own personal film festival, streaming anytime, anywhere. So take that, can. You French son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm going to be aggro today. There's nothing to be done about it. Um, I Me too. Twinsies. <laughs> Twinsies. Twinsies. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Let's not make that a running joke on this podcast. Too late. Oh, Already God. in the pantheon of running jokes. That's the terrible. How, uh, I just, all right, whatever. We'll just, we'll power through. Anyway, uh, I wanted to bring up August 32nd on Earth, which is coming to the movie platform. Prior to making some of the biggest sci-fi blockbusters of the 21st century, Denis Villeneuve directed this French New Wave-influenced drama. Premiering at Cannes, August 32nd on Earth, highlights the striking visuals that would become Villeneuve's trademark. Here, presented in a gorgeous restoration. So if you would like a free 30-day trial subscription to Mubi, all you got to do is go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that's mubi.com slash filmstage for 30 days free. A whole month of great cinema for free. mubi.com slash filmstage. And uh, that is that. Uh, is there is there anything else we want to talk about before we talk about men? You know, anyone, anyone achieve something great or do something wonderful that they want to talk about? Well, that's I can't sad. think of one thing. <laughs> <laughs> Incredibly depressing. Oh, my husband and I had a um, themed movie night last night. It was American expats in Italy. And we watched Tea with Mussolini and Under the Tuscan Sun. 
And huh. I could not convince him to watch E Pray Love because it's fucking two and a half hours long. Oh my and that was God, just really? a bridge too far. Yeah. That's too long for that movie. <laughs> That's way too long. It's like an it's and probably like an hour twenty. Fifty or minutes for each of those things. It's like too much. Too many. Plus, I just want it to be called Eat Eat Eat, and they stay in Italy. But Isn't I don't that, think like that. big night or. <laughs> That's also on our list because we're going through a Stanley Tucci phase. But oh, I mean, uh, everyone is constantly going through a Stanley Tucci phase. <laughs> yeah, he, he goes through Stanley Tucci phases. The Tucci oh. himself. Awesome. But anyway, it was uh, not that great a movie night. It was fine. <laughs> we had a movie night. We watched two movies. We like made a theme. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, not not a lot to recommend it. <laughs> it's kind of really sad. My birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday oh, to me. You're old. Happy birthday. I know. Oh, you know, you know what, Mary Beth? I just remember I was I was like all excited for you to be on our previous episode uh, because I would have gotten to speak with you earlier and I was going to tell you that you need to come to the distillery thing, the art show, and like bring a shit ton of marmalade. Uh, I know. <laughs> marmalade. Well, it's it's fast. It's like it's market season, so I have to come at some point. You're not that far away from me. I have to come say hi. That is true. Yeah. But you could have been there with all the artists and the people. Yeah, I know. It was awesome. My my business partner was having a mental breakdown because we were being too successful. Oh. <laughs> Every five oh, wow. minutes I'd get another email about more tickets being sold and I'd yell to him and he'd be like, we're not ready. We don't have enough lime juice. <laughs> but anyway, it was great. It was fun. Um, so, yeah. But that's great. I'm glad that we are all doing reasonably all right. Let's talk about someone who's not doing reasonably all right. It's Jesse Man. Buckley <laughs> in the Alex Garland written and directed film Men. Uh, this movie stars uh, Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear. And it is out in theaters now. Uh, this movie is how I rang in my birthday. I went to a 1020 screening of this. Wow. And by the time I staggered out into the, the, the world again, uh, it was past midnight. So... This movie got to usher in my birthday. Isn't that just wonderful? Wow. I'm not sure. It's uh, if, I don't know <laughs> if it's a uh, if it's a harbinger of things to come in my life over the next circle around the sun. I feel like I might be in for a lot of trouble. But anyway, <laughs> here is the trailer for Men. Hello. Hi. Mrs. Marlowe. Yes. Harper. Yes. Come in. The words I have to say It's a beautiful well be house Will it just be you staying? Or? Excuse me? Mrs. Mother? No Until you give your love There's nothing more that we can do Apple from the garden? Y- yeah, it was delicious No, 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 no Mustn't do that Forbidden fruit Oh God, sorry, I... I I'm I, joking. I, All right, oh. so that is the trailer for Men, which is in theaters now. Um, this movie, uh, it's got some things happening in it. Uh, honestly, I don't know what counts as a spoiler. So before we even do our quote-unquote spoiler-free section, we're just going to do standard uh, film stage show up or down vote. Do you think that people should seek out men in theaters? That sounds weird. Everything I'm going to say about this is going to sound weird. <laughs> anyway, should people go see men in theaters? Mary Beth, what do you think? I, I say yes. <laughs> All right. Bill Graham. 
yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why not? All right. <laughs> Enthusiastic, trepidatious. Let's see where Robin lands. Robin, should people go see Ben in theaters? Not even close. Okay. As for me, I have no fucking idea. Um, it's I don't I don't think so. I didn't get much out of this, uh, but other people might. So it's good that we've got a spectrum going, though. So if you came here just to know where each of us fell on that spectrum, uh, now you have your answer. And so the question becomes, who do you trust? Who are you going to listen to? Uh, so good luck with that Russian roulette. So let's jump into our actual review. Um, as I said, I don't know what counts as spoilers in this movie. So we're going to like try to be cool about it for the first 10 minutes while we're doing our basic nutshell thoughts. But after that, I... Um, I don't know. I'm not keeping anyone on a leash here. So let's begin. Mary Beth, what are your nutshell thoughts on men? And uh, if you'd like, as a precursor to that, uh, what have your thoughts been on previous Alex Garland films, uh, either as a writer or director? So I'm a big fan of Alex Garland. Um, I was talking with my fiance about him today because we were talking a lot about how he's a really good writer and director, but he has a lot of ideas and he sometimes struggles with the execution of the final idea, mm-hmm. um, which I think is kind of the case here. I I really liked men because I think I just kind of let myself be taken away by the ridiculous nightmare logic. And I, under- I understand why a lot of people do not like this movie. Like I very much understand it, but it worked for me surprisingly. And I still, but I do think that, uh, there's a little bit too much going on and a little bit too obvious at the same time. Like there are some things that are like, okay, we get it. And then other things that I'm like, I have no fucking idea why you incorporated that. Um, <laughs> so I, I still really enjoyed it, but I, I very much understand like there are some very weird inclusions and holes in logic going on in this movie. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. It totally makes sense. Every second of it is very, very clear. Super literal, very easy to read, no extraneous <laughs> things whatsoever. Um, Bill Graham, what are what are your basic nutshell thoughts on men? And what are your I, th- uh, I, I fucking love Alex Garland. Ek okay. um, Machina and Annihilation are two of my favorite movies of the last like 10, 15 years. Um, I love Dread as well, which may or may not Dread, Dread, be Dread, Dread. him Oh, I fucking love Dread. It. I forgot yeah. he wrote that. Yeah, he wrote it and maybe directed it. So um, still, I mean, if you listen to the cast, they're like, oh, yeah, he directed it. <laughs> And so, who, but he hasn't gotten credited director on Dread is. Uh, I think it's the guy that did the what is the assassination game? Not Assassin's Creed, oh, but Pete, uh, Pete Travis. Travis. Is it he, did, is he did a Hitman? No, he did. Yeah, he, he did Advantage. He point, did Hitman. The Gunman. The Gunman. Okay. No, he didn't. I don't know what. Tra- who I is this? Tra- is he a real person? <laughs> Oh, he did the TV movie Among <laughs> the Jury. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's did he did a bunch of British TV. He did a couple movies, and then he went back to British TV. It looks like. Huh. Yeah. He did Anyways, uh, book. what is this? <laughs> All right. Um. Beth, anyways, have to talk about uh, this later. <laughs> so. So I really enjoy him as a writer director. I think he has a very interesting visual kind of uh, ideas and 
some oddities that I really enjoy. Um, Annihilation was full of them. Um, and yeah, I, I was really looking forward to this as soon as I saw a trailer for it. Um, which I didn't like, I'm bad about following directors that I like, uh, and like what they're doing down the road. Because if you like follow IMDb or follow the news outlets too much, you'll just become depressed. Cause you know, one of my favorite directors, which he hasn't made a great film in a little while, but Guillermo del Toro is like attached to everything everywhere. And none of it comes to yeah <laughs> none of it comes to fruition and so it's just kind of depressing sometimes um so the fact that you know you see a trailer for something you're like oh shit well that means it's made right like <laughs> they can't possibly take it away from us so you know uh when i saw this trailer i was very curious uh it looked exactly how i thought it was going to play out and it played out exactly like that so uh that's interesting it didn't have a lot of surprises really for me um maybe that's good trailer making maybe that's bad trailer making maybe that's just a note on kind of how one note at at first blush and kind of uh you know, if you want to be cynical about this film, it is. Uh, but otherwise, I enjoyed some of the more otherworldly aspects that it brings. And I enjoyed the setting a lot as well. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it, but I, I definitely got out of the movie and I was like, what the fuck? So, you know, your mileage may vary. All right. Speaking of mileage varying... Robin Barr. Wait, why is that? What a segue. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Bill's like, yeah, you know, but it's like, you know, he said he liked it. And then it's like, well, let's see how much that mileage can vary. Ah, okay. Because you said fucking absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was pretty. I don't. People listening at home right in. I feel like that was pretty fucking self-explanatory. Right in live. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you're making a pun. On, but anyway, I don't even I don't know. Robin, please just talk okay. Moving on. on this movie and Alex Garland. <laughs> Here's my thoughts. Okay. Uh, not a fan of this movie. Mm-hmm. And the farther I get away from it, the more I dislike it. It really feels like regardless of how you feel about Alex Garland, and I will get into that. It's basically a movie that is a little Britain sketch just stretched out into movie form and has a little bit of uh, body horror. Like that's what it felt like watching it a little bit. I mean, a little bit besides a, besides a sequence that I won't talk right about right now. Like there is not that much body horror, but when it comes, I feel like there's quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah concentrated towards the end but i still feel like i wouldn't i don't this, know this I, reminds me of, of of robin's criticism of what was it army of the dead where she said not violent enough and i was like what no <laughs> i didn't say it wasn't violent oh. enough i said it it didn't have enough gore for a zombie movie I, again what huh? <laughs> i still maintain this anyway so yeah if you're into Oh my god, I don't even know what like sketch comedy, but scary. <laughs> That's the move. This is the movie for you. 
Um, Scarech comedy. (laughs) That didn't work. Let's delete that, guys. Can we delete that? (laughs) You're the editor, bro. (laughs) Future Brian, please remove that joke. (laughs) It's, uh, I mean, I want to say, like, oh, wow, I'm so impressed with Alex Garland, but I've never been that impressed with what he does. He has a few good things that he's good at. His um, attention to nature and greenery has always been a really important part of his uh, aesthetic. Other than that, I don't really know what's notable about him as an artist. Um, At least, I mean, I, I can see what other people like about it, but I feel like he's actually much more by the books than people really give him credit for i uh, was not that huge a fan of ex machina it, you know it's 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 fine it's a very watchable movie um annihilation also you know watchable enough um even though it's basically stalker but less good so i kind of came into this being like eh, of the um you know new crop of of young horror directors or i don't even know if you would call him horror but you know let's let's say he's up there with eggers and um Aster, you know, he's by far my least favorite of of that uh you know group of of dudes. So I kind of came into this thinking like, eh, you know, maybe I really like Jesse Buckley. So we'll see what happens. And then it just um it just starts to eat itself alive. <laughs> like it, the story falls apart right away. The comical use of costuming just totally um whatever it's trying to do tonally to make make us frightened or whatever it just doesn't work because of how it uses costuming and casting and i will definitely say more about that but it to me it just completely falls apart and yeah maybe the the one singular body horror sequence is interesting enough to watch but it also kind of feels meaningless at the same time. So I don't know. I just can't kind of came away from it with like a feeling of, yeah, you can absolutely see where it's going, why it's saying what it is. And it doesn't add anything to the conversation and it's pretty on the nose. Um, As for me, I, I really liked both Ex Machina and Annihilation. Um, and I've been a fan of Garland since 28 Days Later. Um, just really like appreciated his writing, um, the way that he, I, it's funny that, you know, Robin, you just called him a, a horror director. Cause I, I think definitely when I think of Garland, I think of like science fiction, um, 28 days later, sunshine, annihilation and ex machina, like these things that allow us through uh, spectacular circumstances, to look into human archetypes and like, you know, he's, he's really good at putting just enough like spin on the ball that you don't know where it's going to go. You know, 28 days later just has like a bunch of great, like, you know, little jazz riffs on what a zombie movie should be. Um, Sunshine takes what should be a super stupid um, disaster movie, like the core and instead imbues it with like a search for God. Um, which is awesome, uh, you know, taking these people who are like on mankind's most greatest scientific achievement and then basically turning them into primitivists who worship the sun, even though the sun, if you think about it, really does deserve to be worshipped because we couldn't exist without it. Um, things like that are awesome. And so even though I saw this trailer and I was like, oh, boy, that doesn't look great. I was like, but it's Alex Garland. 
there's got to be a thing happening here. Um, and there, there wasn't a thing happening here. I just like, I don't, <laughs> I don't fully, I don't fully understand what I'm supposed to truly get from this movie. I feel like, honestly, if you had named like ex machina men, you'd almost have a more nuanced, interesting sure. and fully realized, uh, depiction of like masculine energy directed towards female power or whatever i don't even know um then this movie this i just don't know what the fuck's happening in this movie and i've i tried to think about it and like really pick over it you know because like i i think of i when i watched this movie i walked out of it thinking of mother exclamation point and i, uh, I yeah definitely too and i yeah. fucking loved mother exclamation point. Uh, oh jesus wow there's uh, a lot happening yep. on the, the I, right I, I loved it as well <laughs> I um you know coming at it as a a person who could read it as a biblical allegory or an environmental parable or you know all this other stuff like just, just there's a lot happening in mother you can I wrote a whole thing about how fucking annoying it was to see all these explainers about mother um even like reading what Darren Aronofsky thought of mother was unappealing to me because I thought like a mother's like a it's like one of those uh, art installations where if you stand over here, it looks like the state of Missouri. But if you stand over here, it looks like a crab apple. Um, and, <laughs> you know, and that's what it's there for. And I don't want the artist to say, well, you're actually supposed to stand here where it looks like a duck. Um, and this movie, I feel like even if like Alex Garland showed up at my house with a six pack of beer, and was like, dude, want to talk about it? I'd be like, no, nah, I got to go to bed. I just I'm, I don't like it's it was so like there's so many it, there's just too much symbolism and it's and it's like none of it really feels like it's cohering correctly and it's almost like at a certain point he realized like i don't think i'm landing the message here but maybe if i just have more you know vaginal imagery and maybe if i throw in another <laughs> biblical illusion maybe if i like put rory kinnear's face on one more weird thing oh god it'll just it'll work well enough that like or like you know people will be ashamed to ask <laughs> and I can just get away with it. And then, like, the movie ends, but then there's, like, a post, not credits, but post-ending title card scene that just, like... Oh, I missed that. What? Wait, no, you can't have missed it, because it, it, it there's a thing that happens, and then it says men, and then after two seconds, it goes back... We'll talk about it, Robin, I'm sure you saw it, because I don't know how quickly you left the theater but it seems impossible you could have left quick enough to not see this scene okay maybe you're right i just don't remember that yeah because i was seems like, like oh. a thing that would happen in this movie i was though. like oh it's over that's interesting that's an interesting place to end it and then like suddenly the sun was back and i was like oh wait fuck it's still happening um <laughs> but yeah i um i don't know i like i and then the funny thing oh is that the next day I'm at I'm at the the art show at my distillery and I have a lot of people who are there I, like you know are like you know this is great. like how are you doing and I'm like I'm really tired I was like up till one o'clock because I went and saw men last night and they're huge Alex Garland fans and they're like oh wow how was it and I was like I don't know maybe you'll like it I didn't like it's just and it's it seems weird to say because usually like even for if like it were a lesser Alex Garland movie I'd be like well you know I think he's got some but like I just it didn't feel this felt like like I finally saw the Alex Garland that people who don't like Alex Garland saw. <laughs> and uh, ah, interesting. Yeah, and so I was just like, oh wow, this isn't this isn't happening at all for me. And um, I'm looking forward to talking about it. But what's funny is that like 
I could it, I could feel the movie dissolving in my brain every point over the weekend when I tried to think about it. I would be like, you know, well, like, let if we look at the racial dynamics, Brian. I mean, like her her husband is is black, but the oh, who cares? Like, <laughs> just I'm in a car. Are these brief thoughts? They they yeah, like they're flashes <laughs> of me like in a car, and I'm like, let's think about men. You're gonna have to podcast <laughs> on men in 24 hours. Maybe we should have some thoughts ready. And I'd be like, cool, let's, you know, let's hit me with one other half of my brain. <laughs> and it's like, well, why would, why is it that like, you know, her husband is a black man, but all of the men harassing her in the town are white. And I was like, cause you, who, I don't know. And I was like, okay, cool. Can like, you know, do you want to expand on that? And it's like, I was a student in a class that hadn't done the reading. And I was like, no, next question, please. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to talking about it with people who liked it because maybe you all have thoughts on these things. Um, and I, maybe those thoughts will inspire me to say something witty or profound and then I won't feel like I'm sitting here with nothing to say. Um, Let's move yeah. into spoilers. I was about to say. And so that's a good place to end for me. Me admitting that I don't know that I have anything to say about this movie. Um but yeah, we can we can move into spoilers and actually start to talk about this. So the people who liked this movie, specifically Mary Beth as our guest, having heard the less than enthusiastic statements of Robin and myself, do you have any like initial reaction to our reaction? Um, well, what, my initial reaction was like, shit, did I miss something watching this movie? <laughs> So, oh, no. <laughs> so many people don't like it. And I'm like, did I miss something? Like, am I, what is going on? But I don't, I don't know. I, it is not, when, I will say that it is not our place to, to like, try to convince you that you're wrong. I don't like <laughs> the fact that you're doubting yourself. I will also say, however, that this movie got a D plus cinema score, which is, <laughs> which almost, means fuck all, which is almost, but I mean, it's almost worse than an F because at least an F you're like, wow, that's only happened to 12 movies ever. This is like so bad that it's bad, but not Didn't so bad mother? that it becomes interesting. Yeah. Mother got an F, which is yeah, like, fuck correctly. Yeah, I, it's, but that's what I'm saying is like, if you get an F cinema score, you're like a rare possibly amazing movie but i feel like if you get like a anywhere in a c or a d range it's just like oh well something went wrong there it's like not quite interesting enough of a disaster that it needs to be talked about you're not the titanic you're just like some boat that ran aground briefly and no one ever really thinks about it (laughs) (laughs) jesus um (laughs) i got my analogies working they're still with me Hmm. I'm trying to think of how to. So I watched this movie, I think like a week after I had two like horrific, like weird men talking to me on the street and like doing weird shit. And so I think this movie like weirdly struck a chord in terms of just the the existence of being a person in the world and like being a woman in the world and I think there was I was very interested in how it kind of represented the kind of small acts of misogyny that you experience on a daily basis and I thought that part was more interesting honestly than like are we getting into spoilers can I talk about yeah spoilers now so I I liked all that up to the folk horror point because I think when the folk horror part with the green man comes in, it it does lose its thread because I'm like, wait, like I get it. I get what the body horror. Like I understand it, but why? 
because the first half feels like a really fucked up weird home invasion movie that I was very into. And I also really like the body horror, but like, again, I understand it's very on the nose, but it worked for me. And I think I also really liked something about the end. So at the end birth, we'll talk about it, but (laughs) Jesse Buckley's dead husband, who is actually a kind of a terrible person who Mm. hit her and manipulates her appears and is talking to her and kind of like, you know, it's this kind of thought that I really was very interested in, in terms of like men always asking for love from women and like taking and taking and what they demand emotionally from women. And I thought that was just a really interesting way to kind to almost end it on that note. And I think, I don't know. I think it just worked for me in terms of what it was looking. And I was surprised. Like, I think Alex Garland has hit or miss with writing female characters. And I was obviously very wary about a man writing about experiencing the world as a woman. And it's not perfect, but I was, I was surprised. I think my bar was very low for that. So I think I was very pleasantly surprised for what I expected, which wasn't much. What's interesting to me is. So you liked it because it's better than what you thought it would be. Well, I liked it. Well, no, I don't like it because of that, but I think it was, I think in terms of it was better in how it represented women's experience than I thought it would be specifically. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I actually, the parts of this movie that I, um, identified with most were in the (laughs) scenes of her, uh, attempting to leave her husband um, yeah, because yeah, I have been in relationships like that where I, I well, yeah. that, that's almost the funny thing, though, is that like the movie's called Men and it, it is, cl- you know, the 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 stupid tweets that I couldn't get away from <laughs> kept asking, are you haunted by these men? And then you get to scroll through a bunch of different Rory Kinnears. Um, <laughs> like, uh, this movie for me could have been called Men and then in parentheses, but they're playing all the women in your life. Because, mm. like, I have been in those relationships where it's like, I remember being in a relationship with a girl and being like, look, this just has to end. And she's like, well, if it ends, then I'm going to kill myself. And I'm like, well, don't. I, you know that that is my kryptonite. So clearly now I'm not going to leave you because I've already seen too many of my friends die. And I'm not. like, And just like that level of, and like, you know, just taking a hit. And being like, okay, get out, and then having them like plead to come back. But in my case, I didn't have the strength of Harper, and I let them back in. And so, like, I was really into that because I was like, all right, yeah, the movie's called Men, and maybe that's like the pitch, and maybe like you know, it's because men do it more often. But I'm getting a lot here. But then at the end, it's like you know, it's just like, what do you want from me? And he's like, your love, and then just just like, end. And I was like, but we knew that. That's not a twist. That's not like a reveal. Like that's so uh, it's like what is the point of that? Like I went through all of that nonsense. I went mm-hmm. through a, a human centipede of male birth in order just to get to that. Fascinating comparison. Uh, I just I don't even know it. It's just I I could I was trying to think of like weird twisted broken things, you know, in a chain and I just went to Human Centipede. I don't know. I never watched that movie, so Oh, I got to it's been on my list for so long. Yeah, I don't know. Uh it's I don't, something. I, I don't feel the need to watch it. Um 
but yeah, I don't know. I just like I was like, that's that's your big thing. Like it doesn't even and it at some point it doesn't even feel like we're in Harper's brain feeling what it's like for her because all the movie can say is you'd be pretty uncomfortable if this happened, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm constantly uncomfortable when that happens. That's not a real revelation. I don't feel like I'm getting any deeper insight. And maybe like a a female writer director would have found nuances within that universal experience that would have given me some deeper insight, but it was just weird to like identify so wholeheartedly and then just to feel like well that's the conclusion you came to like that's nothing like i don't i don't understand why the, all this build-up was coming to this um so it was that's very the odd. whole idea though i mean that's that's maybe one of the main takeaways one of the main issues i had with this movie and there were two ma- major large ones what am i saying i'm sorry i'm a little bit out of it um that's fine we all are <laughs> i'm sick so the number one issue is that it turns quote-unquote women's experience into a monolithic size fits one size fits all thing and even though it's supposed to represent like a plethora of creepy dudes that one can encounter in their life it's not really representative of any one thing like I could easily pinpoint like oh like the angry kid or the the lecherous clergy or whatever but they're they're archetypes they're not like necessarily uh real people that I have personally experienced not that everything has to be about me but I'm just saying that this movie is purportedly saying here is here is the experience that all women have and really it's it's representative of just like one type of woman or one type of man. And so, you know, you can't, it's like the problem I had with Lena Dunham's show, which I ultimately liked, but you can't call your show girls because it says this is all people of this age, or this, this is all women or something like that. And you can't call your fucking movie men and tell me this is about all women's experiences and all men they encounter. I'm, and I'm not saying not all men or whatever bullshit. I'm just saying that this is not even close to representative to like what most people experience on a daily basis. But anyway, number two, what I thought was stupid about this movie, maybe the majorly stupid thing is that it's, it tries to make us feel with a trauma plot that is so reductive and so just honestly like totally unoriginal and derivative that I almost couldn't take the movie seriously at all because there's something I don't know if this is like a a modern thing but I feel like in order for us to have any emotional experience with a character they have to have gone through some kind of trauma that's supposed to, I don't know, make them like more human in our eyes, more relevant or or whatever. And I just thought that that was like the way it was handled, the flashbacks and the idea that the whole time that she's having, I don't know if these are hallucinations or supernatural experience. No one one fucking knows because Alex Garland doesn't fucking know. It doesn't matter because it's always coming back to her processing her trauma. I'm just sorry. I've seen that a thousand times before. Well, so like, 
there, there was an Why? article in the or an article or an essay or whatever you want to call it in the New Yorker from this year, uh, January third, apparently, uh, because I actually decided to look this one up instead of just speaking in circles around it. Um, and it's called "The Case Against the Trauma Plot," and it's basically describing Robin what you're describing, which is like <sighs> there has been this trend recently where it's like, what if we just watch a character do a bunch of stuff and then at some point they reveal that they had a trauma? And that's yeah, it's it's coming it. up more and more. It's like you were abused, you witnessed abuse, you experienced a death. I'm not saying these things don't exist or don't right. happen. But it's like every um, movie suddenly yes. has decided it needs to be Antoine Fisher. Um, sure. Did have, no one watched Antoine Fisher? No, guys, come on. <laughs> it just seems like another form of fridging, where in order to feel something for the male protagonist of a movie you he has to have had a dead wife or something like that and that's obviously very common and i think this is kind of the flip side where in order to feel anything for any character you have to watch them process a trauma that they've been through either through flashback or or whatever you know dialogue and it's just it gets boring after a while okay my turn (laughs) Bill, jump in. Um, so I don't understand, Robin, why you would say because of the title of this film, whether it's called Men or whether a show is called Girls or whether a show is called, I don't know, any anything anywhere. I don't understand why you oh, think that that means that it is like indicative of all experiences underneath that banner well i mean well, that's, that's the, the intention that's literally the intention of the title i mean like the title is you announcing what? it's the point of the title if you if you call so as much as i hate to say this i'm on robin's side um <laughs> you and i are on one another's side a lot more than we we like to believe you're, we you're, definitely are you're like mecca in that way um Focus, yeah. focus. What I was gonna say, Bill, is that if you if you name something men, you you are in fact saying this is a movie about men, much as by naming. I mean, like, I don't I don't see how you can think that it's not. So so so, so if a film is called Mary, it's about everybody named Mary. Like like what? If how it's called Marys, yes. <laughs> if it were to but say Mary is all the Marys. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, think about the movie. Cats, I don't Bill. see Is it that movie as not that? about all cats. <laughs> <laughs> no, just jelly um, ones. <laughs> thank you, Robin. I I have no idea what to respond to that. Um, I I just don't understand why. That has to be the interpretation of this and why that has to be the interpretation of girls. Um, I don't see that as them trying to say that this is this is anything more than this character's experience. Right. In girls, it's it's a multicast, you know, show. So clearly it's not about just one girl. Right. Um, And it's not saying that they're, (laughs) they're the only people. Sure. Okay, uh, and this one's called Men, and it at least has two different men, 
right? So now Maybe. that becomes confusing because is it? <laughs> we don't know. Is it? <laughs> is it watching? that? Is it the experience of like one person with multiple men, or is it? You know, like to me, I think that that falls into the cynical trap where it's like, well, clearly this is about everybody's experience with trauma and their relationship to men and how that kind of evolves. And I'm just like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't read it as that. I don't think about it as that. I don't see that title being, having to be built around the idea that this is going to be an experience that all people can relate in terms of dealing with quote unquote men. Right. Um, I think, I think this is a very specific, uh, portrayal of what this woman is going through and how her relationship to men in general and maybe overall but this is definitely like from her experience like i i just i can't i can't get beyond why a title would then throw that into question because it seems so obvious that this is definitely this one singular person's experience. Everything about this movie to me seems to be saying there is a societal problem with men and this movie is going to tackle it. Yes. Well, I I don't know if it says it's going to tackle it, but it's going to observe it. Right. You're right. That's kind of what I meant. Like that, this, like, and then if you look at, if you look at the, the, the capital M men that she deals with, there's her husband but then you have like good old goofy, not really, you know, what's his name? Jeffrey, right? But then you have like men in positions of power, like, you know, religion, the police, children, I guess. I don't, I don't even know how to make that one fit in. This is another one of those places yeah, where dick like children. a little messy, I guess. Um, but like, you know, this is clearly saying like, these are men. These are the men that exert control over the lives of women. And this is like what they're they're doing and how they do it, and and then you've also got uh, one who might be a personification of the cr- cruelty of nature. I don't. I'm not even. I literally <laughs> had forgotten about him until I just started naming off all the men in this movie. Why don't um, we um, step back for a second and actually tell people what happens in this movie? Who wants to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I vote Mary Beth. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I'll just do as much as I can. So <clears throat> Jesse Bucky Jesse Buckley plays Harper. Harper um has just lost her husband in a very traumatic way. And she is going to the beautiful British countryside for a relaxing, like solo vacation. And she arrives at this beautiful house. Uh, Jeffrey is the house, I guess, house owner, renter, and he, Rory Kinnear plays Jeffrey. Rory Kinnear um, is incredible. He is, he played Frankenstein at Penny Dreadful, which was my favorite. <laughs> um, but, oh my God. So, yeah, he was Frankenstein's creature. Um, and as she is, getting settled into this house weird things are happening but the inciting incident is she goes into the woods and i think my favorite part of the movie is when she is in the woods and it starts to rain and she starts to smile i thought that was a very beautiful part of the movie and i really like the score it's obviously very obviously religious but i like the score a lot um but there's this really fascinating moment where she is 
making this little echo symphony through a tunnel. And it's almost like she summons a man. And she is now being followed by this strange man who is Rory Kinnear, buck-ass naked, um, following her around and watching her through the windows in a really... I, I liked the scene where one, she, well, he's in the windows watching her. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I don't know how the fuck she did not notice that he was there, but it's a movie I distracted. <laughs> Fair enough. But so she calls the police, he's arrested, and every man is, of course, played by Rory Kinnear here. So the cop is Rory Kinnear. Um, when she goes to the local, and Rory Kinnear is obviously this naked man. Rory Kinnear plays the bartender at the pub all this stuff. And it all culminates in this crazy moment where the naked man who is the pagan figure, the green man, a ancient deity that represents the cycle of life and death, birth, all this stuff. And he, um, it launches an assault of sorts, a nightmarish assault, um, on Harper in her house. That is just a lot of crazy shit involving a creepy vicar who tries to sexually assault her, uh, a knife going through an arm in an incredible sequence through a male slot, and um, an incredibly body horrific climax that includes a lot of birth. Full-grown birth. Yes. What was so. that? Full-grown birth. Oh, oh, full, yes, yeah. There are no, there are no babies being born. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a pretty good it's a good full su- full summary rundown of what happens oh and then also I uh, forgot that Harper is also having flashbacks to the day that her husband accidentally fell or intentionally fell and this like whole trauma narrative of their it's relationship left, yeah I th- yeah their whole relationship being very traumatic and then his death being traumatic and all this grief and blame etc cetera, etc cetera. do we do do you think it would be uh better or worse if the his his death was not ambiguous and it was a straight-up suicide or a straight-up accident like I don't think it makes a I difference, think, honestly. I think it does. I don't know. I, 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 I really I was... think Go ahead. Okay, I, I think it's better if he if he jumps. I, I think it being an accident. I do too. Yeah, I think I, I think giving the out of like, oh, he was trying to like climb down onto the balcony and he like slipped, or did he? I think it's I think it's it, it is actually a more powerful if you're trying to make a statement about men and the blanks they are willing to go to in order to subjugate women into loving them. It is more powerful to have him deliver on the promise of killing himself because then you're saying these guys are literally willing to destroy themselves to punish the women who deny them their love. As it is now, he could just be a fucking a clown who doesn't know how to hold on to a railing. Sure. Yeah. So I think I think it's a lot more powerful and actually suits the movie a lot more if she's just like, he wrote a note. He said, fuck you, Harper. And then he went up to the top of the building and he jumped. And, uh, you know, he he made sure to jump backwards so that he could look in at me and I could see his face (laughs) as he was about to die. That's how I choose to. Yeah. 
do it. <laughs> I think that would have been I think that would have been a, a better thing if she knew it, you know, because then again, like, it's yeah, like, there's a little more cruelty there than just like, whoops, I guess he accidentally died. Yeah, I well, I think there is I think there is ambiguity, right? Um, and I'm not going to say that I'm a against ambiguity here because I feel like it adds a different wrinkle because if you've seen the trailer you know that this guy like killed himself they say it very explicitly in the trailer that she's getting away for the weekend or whatever as her husband killed himself if you watch the movie up until the point when we get the information that maybe he slipped or maybe he jumped up to that point, it's been very clear that he has suicidal thoughts, that he has suicidal tendencies, that he's scaring Harper. So it it is ambiguous when you're given that information, but everything up until that point is not. Does so I feel like thoughts and tendencies. I can't like, I, I know that he says like, I'm going to do it. He, gonna he literally says, he, yeah. That's well, not a I mean, I that's don't a, understand. That's a power move. If he, if, if totally, he's, yeah. totally, if the, like I have suicidal thoughts and tendencies, Bill, you know? So like, if I were to tell someone I'm going to kill myself, it's not, you did this to me. It's my life's been building up to this. Adios. Like it, it's, it, I, we don't get, I feel enough background on what their marriage was like before this, this day, the, the day it, it ended. Um, to, re- well, to really know? we do get like, text message. Know. We, we do get text messages about him scaring her and him threatening to do it again. Right. I think I think that's explicitly stated. Did it say like, again that he was threatening? I I, don't, I, I I honestly can't remember, so that's why I'm. Asking. I think so. I the, the the vibe I got was this was not the first time that he had interesting done okay. this because I I I know that she wrote like he's scaring me. I thought that she said it had never been this bad before, but I might be mashing it up with he'd never hit me before and like i also i don't think he i think he i agree with you brian i think he was a power move i don't necessarily think he had suicidal ideation or thoughts i think it was more like a manipulation tactic yeah i I don't think that trying to diagnose him is is going to get us very far? Um, well, I think it has uh, to because I, that's I mean, the whole point of the movie. He, is what is she? What? Is, how has she been living, and how does that inform what's happening to her now? I mean, the the fact that we get these flashbacks proves how important it is to diagnose him and their relationship and to understand it in order to, to pull anything out of what's happening in the present narrative. Or do I sound crazy? Just, so, so you think that the idea here is that general audiences are supposed to be diagnosing him? I think you have to understand him, and that involves some level of snap diagnosis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then I definitely didn't think my, that much. Yeah. My, like my interpretation of this is that he had suicidal at least verbalization whether you want to say that that is a power move 
or not. I think the verbalization of that and then because I think we quickly get that verbalization right after or right before we get the information that he went upstairs barged into that loft upstairs and then either fell or intentionally jumped right so we're getting a lot of information right at the end and i think up until that point again my whole point has been it seemed very clear that he killed himself seemed very clear that he killed himself and then right at the last moment ooh maybe that was actually an accident and this torment would have continued on for, you know, multiple cycles, who knows. Right. Um, and so to me, I don't see that ambiguity being thrown in at the last minute, totally derails what is being set up here. I think what's being set up here. I don't understand why you're asking me that. Because, uh, like, we learned that it might have been an accident, like, a third to, like, halfway through the movie. It wasn't thrown in at the last minute. It becomes a giant presence in the movie during the conversation. That's the last bit of information. That's the last bit of information we get about that entire sequence. Okay, so you meant in her in her monologue, not in terms of the narrative. I, just, I mean, in terms of our timeline of getting this information, the last bit of information we get is a that he mentions specifically that he's kind of like you know going to do this. He's he's kind of threatening her, and then we get that information about him potentially slipping or intentionally jumping that we get at the last moment i don't mean in terms of the runtime of the film i mean that's the last bit of information we kind of get of of that timeline of events uh, to me that's Robin, how i read it about to say something yeah i'm i feel like we're hyper focusing on something that is not that consequential maybe, maybe i'm wrong but i just felt like whether this character intentionally died or didn't is really pales in comparison to the fact that he died as they were getting a divorce and how that so there's complications to her feelings and her quote-unquote trauma and I, I don't know I just feel like it's the fact that he put this in as a mystery he being Garland is it, just another distraction from what is supposed to be the theme of the story, which is like the myriad ways that men feel uh, they have some kind of power or dominion over women and how they express that. And I don't even know if I fully agree with this thesis, but I think that is the point of the movie. It doesn't matter if this character was dying by suicide in order to enact revenge against his wife or was trying to get into the house because she kicked him out. Like he did whatever he did, he did something to hurt her and he died for it. Mm -hmm. Whether he has clinical depression, whether he's bipolar or I don't know, has borderline personality disorder, like it, to me or suicidal like it's it doesn't really matter when it comes to the impact on the story and the character 
Mary Beth, would you agree? Um, yeah, I think I lean towards agreeing with Robin on that one. I think it would be more interesting if they confirm it either way in terms of like, bl- like where the blame kind of would fall. And I think, like you said, Brian, it would be darker. But I do agree that I think regardless of whatever happened, he still died and in a very horrific way that they show that also is very graphic. Um, and that's kind of where we, where we land. And I suppose I can see why keeping it ambiguous lets there be more kind of like what is perceived as like emotional turmoil for Harper, but yeah. That's all I have. Okay. To that end, here's another thing that I, that uh, just as we're, as we're talking about like him, him dying in that kind of ending scene. Um, this movie feels like there are certain times where for a movie that is like leaned so much on symbolism, um, it just jumps to explaining it. And in a, in a way that I found baffling, like the, you know, when, when we get this, this, um, sequence of the, the green man giving birth to the vicar, giving birth to the, I can't even remember what the sequence was, but each of them, each of them, at this point has had their, their arms split by the knife in the mailbox, which was messy and gross. Um, and then they all have their foot broken and I'm like, right. Yes. No, I understand. This is how her, her husband looked at the end. And that's why we're doing this. And then he comes out and sits on the couch and says, this is how I looked when I died. My arms split by the railing and my, my ankle broke. And I was like, yeah, dude, we we got that. Like, what does it? It just it seems. Why are you spelling this out? Right, it's a little baffling that that it chooses to spell it out. Then, um, I just it, it was like things like that would happen in this movie, and I'd be like, what's happening? Like when the when the when Jeffrey makes the joke about forbidden fruit, I was like, right, yeah, no, no woman can ever eat an apple in a movie that we don't know that it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a movie about a woman who owns an orchard. And it would still it, be yeah. that every time she I, eats I a think, fucking apple, it's it's an I agree with thing. you. Like there's I, an assumption think, that we're dumb here. I don't think that that's that's what's happening here. I think that's literally this country bumpkin making a joke about like he's making a dumb joke. Like about and the she movie. makes what? Yeah, but it's it's it, Garland not allowing us to make connections on our own that i found a little he frustrating has this woman enter quote-unquote paradise i don't know if they ever used that word in the movie but it would not shock me um and then she to the camera plucks an apple perfectly holds it in her hand thinks about yes it, and I, then I, takes a bite of it in a way that no human being has ever been into an apple and then <laughs> Jesus. And you're telling me that we're not supposed to read into that? And then the country bumpkin talking about it isn't... Sp- like, what are you talking about? Like, this this is happening in this movie. This is what it's doing. I, I feel like you didn't hear what I said. W- what I'm saying is that this is that country bumpkin making a dumb joke in this moment. I'm saying I don't feel like this Alex is Garland being like anyone would make this joke. If you put the symbolism in your movie, don't underline it or like, like why, what, what does that add? Like it is him 
saying like because that's that's winking at the audience i just okay oh that's thinking we're dumb if even if you want to be charitable and say it is (laughs) winking at the audience i think it's a bad artistic decision and it took me out of the movie that's because it's fucking little britain the movie i have never seen little britain i mean so i don't know but i'll take your word for it i i it's it's mike myers putting on a bunch of costumes and acting like a weirdo that sounds less than appealing, knowing now <laughs> what Mike Myers putting on a bunch of costumes can be. Talk to me 20 years ago and I'd be all over that. Oh God, I'm I feel like this film is one of those things where we can interpret these things as winking nods to the audience, right? Of like building suspense, building, building this atmosphere that like our Alex Garland clearly is aware that yes, this is a sequence that is supposed to, you know, symbolize this. And yes, this is a country bumpkin. I'm going to have him say the very obvious thing here because she's going to remark about that later on about how he's not a country simpleton. He is rich. He's like a rich Charles Windsor. The second most hated type of human being on earth right now. He's probably like a, like a, a Viscount or something. Is that how you say that? Uh, yes, but he's probably not that high a Viscount. I mean, he's probably like a, okay. a squire well, or something. Did she make fun of him or not? She did make fun of him. Yeah, she made fun of him for being like a country type. Like, a. have you ever seen a Prince Charles <laughs> talk? What, what? That means something different in the UK. <laughs> in the UK, somebody who owns a bunch of land and lives in the country is just like a little far removed. They're not like a hillbilly. Not This guy owns property He's making classical references. He has received pronunciation. This guy is definitely rich and not a country bumpkin. He's just. Well, I feel like I see what you mean, though, in terms of like when you say country bumpkin, he's awkward, though. I feel like I brought like Bill, I'd rather I would think you would be more like he's a really awkward guy who doesn't know how to interact with. He pauses all the time he he doesn't quite take like 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 what brian's saying here right where i i apparently have like a lag i i sound like a doofus to him because i like take five seconds and then interrupt him and he's like what the hell is going on bill so yeah i feel like that's kind of what's going on here is he has very little like interactive skills and uh, like of course he would make the obvious joke here i feel like like you know i'm willing to to grant you that i still think it's a poor storytelling decision like we don't have to get into the mechanics of him and why he would say that i think garland took the time to write that in the script and then directed the actor to speak it and then through the edit decided to keep it in the movie and i think every one of those choices was bad okay i think that the movie could benefit somehow despite how like I don't even, I I guess, inscrutable the movie is to me. And, you know, whether it be just because it's impenetrable or because I'm exhausted and can't muster the strength to do it, it it is, despite all of that, I think the movie honestly could have stood to, like, explain less. (laughs) I think it could have stood to, like, maybe, like, lean into it. Like, maybe it needs to be more like Little 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 England. Little Britain? Little Britain. It's just a sketch comedy show. That's- okay. But maybe it needs that. Maybe it needs to be a little more sketch-like. Maybe it needs to be even broader. You know, like maybe 
we need some like you know wicker man style stuff you know like maybe we need more of that vibe maybe it needs to be heaven help me someone's gonna yell at me maybe it needs to be more like midsummer where it's just like <laughs> there's a lot of shit happening and it's so obviously wrong but she's still in it like there is a moment in this movie where it turns into a uh, wicker man melded with straw dogs for like 12 seconds and i was in thinking that's where we were going and then we we didn't and she like drives away gets her car stolen runs back and then we get the birthing sequence and mm-hmm. i was like oh well this is a little bit disappointing like if you got to honestly if if a movie were called men and turned into like reverse wicker man straw dogs i'd be fucking all over that movie that'd be great that does sound great i'm gonna patent that uh all of you are witnesses i'm gonna make that movie at some point i don't think that's how a patent no, works, how works but i say the word patent and okay. it's patented uh-huh all right <laughs> <coughs> but yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know. it's like it they're just like again as much as i love garland like you know one of my favorite moments in a garland movie and i actually i thought about it in this movie because he's got a thing with tunnels apparently and i say a garland movie he wrote this movie i know danny boyle directed it but 28 days later there's a Mm. scene where they're going in a tunnel and you know there's like a bunch of cars there's like a car crash and brendan gleason's like i'm just gonna drive over that and killian murphy says the immortal line it's a really shit idea you know how i know because it's really obviously a shit idea um, but then <laughs> Brendan Gleeson does it anyway. And, you know, so Killian Murphy is like, there's just like, you know, met twisted metal and broken glass. And, blah, and then like they get a flat tire going over it and they have to change it. And that's a really awesome scene. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about how awesome 20 Days Later is. But like that's the, the script commenting on the choices of the characters in a good way. Garland has executed this before. This is not that. This movie consistently feels like maybe he wrote this script 25 years ago when he was just mm. learning screenwriting and he didn't apply any of the good things he's learned now that he has the power to get it produced and made like well, fun fact oh sorry fun fact uh that is actually what happened brian he what? wrote this he wrote this script 15 years ago oh and fucking he makes returned so much sense. he uh, returned to it in 2020 well there you go that is the the biggest mistake any artist can ever make never return to <laughs> according it. to according to brian yeah yes. no i mean it's like that's the story behind so many of these movies where it's like oh something just didn't work it's like look if you've had this long just it this doesn't work. But anyway, uh, Mary Beth, what, what's your tinfoil hat telling you? Oh, my tinfoil hat was telling me that like he just wanted to make he, like a twenty four came to him and was like make something fucking weird that everyone would be like, oh my god, that is so a twenty four. Just like and then he, he Seaver's, that, and Seaver's then he, rolling in his grave right now. And then, First and of all, instead you of, killed Seaver. <laughs> yes. yes. But like instead of like writing something new, he pulled out men and was like, well, this is fucking weird and like seems more like something someone would make today. They can have it. This I don't know. That's relevant. Me too. I can already. I can already see the A twenty four in the trailer. <laughs> like it's obviously very tin foil hat, and probably not true. But it just like that context makes me laugh even more. Of like A twenty four just wanted an Alex Garland weird ass movie, and he was probably like, oh, "Fuck it, I'll just recycle this shit." He's not I, and- that much of a weirdo. I mean, where are people getting this from? And I who's, leave, who's not that weird? Alex Garland. Garland. I think he is ex- expert at like inserting heavy ideas into populist entertainment like i think yes and i think that's his strength honestly 
You know, he he made a movie that was about basically like tech bros being pieces of shit, but like lesser tech bros, like basically again against the the, the duality of you know what we'd consider normal classical masculinity. You've got the nerd and the jock, who's also a nerd because that is a thing that exists now. But you've got the very alpha man and the very beta male, and then you've got them both operating out of an interest in acquiring or in some way like getting a woman to be indebted to them and meanwhile she runs a game on both of them and uh, murders one and leaves the other one to starve to death i guess spoilers for ex machina like like that's awesome that's great (laughs) just this entire this entire podcast is just let's let's talk about the ends of each of these movies 28 days later they quarantine britain 28 weeks no, later, d- Jesus Christ, Paris. Brian. I know yeah, now he, he really did it. I know. Oh, my God. I The greatest transgression. I spoiled the ending of 28 days and 28 weeks later. Oh, my We've God. We've talked a lot about the themes of this movie, which is like the least interesting part of it. If anything, what makes this movie supposedly interesting. I use the word interesting too much. What makes this movie stand out is the fact that there's two cast members or three, if you want to count them. But here's the, it's supposed to be cool that she sees this fucking Rory Kinnear's face everywhere she goes. And then you see this monstrously horrifying CGI 12 year old boy that we're supposed to take seriously. And it's one of the worst sequences I've ever seen on film. That's why they give him that weird 1940s woman's mask to wear. Um, I was going to say, you know, I don't know if Rory Kinnear just wore a bunch of different suits and and makeup or if they like did CGI his face onto other people. Who can say? I mean, they did for the little boy. at least. Yes. Okay, but that's the thing is that the little boy is so obviously CGI'd on. It's so bad. It's really Really quite terrible. And I I don't know. But here's the who. This is another thing where like the symbolism in this movie needs to be either more obscure or it needs to be a much more on the nose and just really leaned into. Every one of those people should have just looked like her husband. I don't understand why it's <laughs> Rory Kinnear. I don't know who Rory Kinnear is to this woman. It doesn't. It doesn't make a lot I, of sense. I was to me. wondering if it was like her father or something. I was it had to be that obvious. <laughs> right. I, that's the thing. Is I need. I need it to be Rory Kinnear the entire movie, and then I need for her like friend to show up and it's her husband or something you know like i i need i need the movie to be either you need the husband's face obvious no i mean like her friend's husband like or something like i just need an excuse for it to be rory kinnear but the funny thing is this is how deep i went in this movie initially before the exhaustion took over rory kinnear is only credited as jeffrey yeah and so i was like is Jeffrey the only one who existed and everything else is in her head? And she like, I wondered I that too. And and none of it actually happened, right? But then we do get police officer Frida. You know? So like sure. clearly she exists, you know, and came with a man who looked quite a bit like Rory Kinnear. Or maybe he's just saying that the inbreeding in the the countryside of England. It's just No. I don't know. I'm clear clearly that last one was a joke. Let's be let's be clear about that. I'm not going to slander my friends in the English countryside. Um, so I was I, I was I, kind of 
confused here about the racial element. Like you very obviously had a cast of three, mm-hmm. five, if you count the cop and her friend of a white man playing all the men, but then a black actor playing her husband. And right. it was almost like, it almost felt like Garland didn't think about it that way. And like, I, in one hand, sure. But on the other hand, like you can't not think about it that way. Right. You know what I mean? Like you can't just have all of the men being reborn, be a white man, the same white man over and over again, and then have the last one be a black guy. I just, I feel like there's a lot of really interesting, like a lot of really, uh, um, really smart black um, critics have written about this in terms of like, this is a very weird racial dynamic that you set up. And I don't think you really understood what you were saying here. Yeah. Right. 100%. Very bizarre. I mean, that's yeah. what I was talking about when I was talking about like driving in the car Yeah, and just being like, there's got it. Like there had to be a choice here. But the weird part is that all I can think of is that at some point he was casting this movie and was like, <clears throat> Ooh, this is a pretty lily white cast. I better throw in a minority. I kind of wondered that, or if he did it to, differentiate so that we didn't think that all of these white men were her husband like do you know what i Correct. mean yeah, yeah I, I think i think it's i think it's as obvious as that and i also think it's also as obvious as for the uh for harper not to see all the great or Greg Kinnears? Gary Kinnears? No, what the fuck Rory is this guy's name? Rory Kinnear. Rory Kinnear. All over the place. If it was right? Greg Kinnear, it would go from a, a three to a okay. Um, but <laughs> like, I don't think if it was another black man, then we would start to really feel. Oh, I that think would turn I, the racial tension up to like a seven. Oh God, yeah, yeah. That would be horrible. yeah. I I think bad. this would really be bad. So I don't I don't feel like I feel like the what he get and this is this is always a question of like artist intent versus artist interpretation right and they will almost always push back and go that's not what i intended and it's like cool bro that doesn't matter like if if enough people interpret it as x then that kind of becomes the narrative uh you know whether whether you want it to or not you're creating art you're creating populist entertainment and that's what we're going to do with it um so i feel like the the reason and the setup is very obvious he wanted it to be very easy to distinguish who is the husband and who is this first caretaker and that's why he's only credited as that because it's I do agree with everybody here, though, that the kid is a step too far where it just becomes awkward and it it's very clearly a money dump. Like you can't pull this kind of sequence off without being incredibly good with CGI, which costs a lot of fucking money, which I don't feel like that adds jack shit to this film well, I so also, i don't know why it's here um, because the cycle of toxic masculinity right you have to see how it starts with kids i right. know i liked this movie but uh-huh. i'm picking it apart because <laughs> it is so it is so obvious like it's so obvious why they did that like yeah anyway. sure not, uh, sure that's sure. sure. not subtle I, I go, I go it turns into a comedy though because you can't it's so uncanny valley 
that you yeah. can't see it as anything but a joke. Well, so that's what I was going to say. I'd go a step further and say that that pub scene when like all of them are in a room together is also a step too far. Like, it oh, a works, thousand percent. It works if she's constantly meeting individual people singularly. And they all Why? have the same Why face. does that work? Because it, it sort of gives gonna... an air of, of paranoia. Right. But she doesn't notice it. It's she, like, she doesn't okay. bring it up. And, but also like. Well, because she's not, she's not seeing them. What the fuck right. does that even mean? No, it's like she doesn't know. I didn't know. She it, thought that these were all the same dudes. Yeah, no, th- this is not how they look. I, I, what? Uh, who? What? What? What movie did y'all watch? This is she is not seeing the she is not seeing Roy Kinnear all over the place. Literally, she is seeing she other is. people. It, what? Oh, OK. Oh, I didn't interpret it like that. That's the yeah. What? No, I saw that's, she she she's seeing Rory Kinnear everywhere. She, she's she, seeing Rory Kinnear everywhere, but she doesn't realize it is how as, I interpret as it. As we all do, we all see Rory Kinnear everywhere. I mean, honestly, yeah. I wouldn't be that mad. I wouldn't be that mad about it if I saw him everywhere. Right, he's got standard, mostly handsome British man face. Like <laughs> what? Yeah. No, what? You don't think? Oh, Rory you just haven't handsome? seen what he looks like in real life. I'm looking at his IMDb picture. I don't know. Does that? Mm, okay. He's definitely I, I a comedic like, actor for a reason. Wow. I like, wow, but I Robin. see. I think. I think Steve Buscemi is hot. So like. Oh, I love with, Steve Buscemi. Take well, me with a, grain, a bit Inns of a grain of salt. So obviously you're going to find sexually. Him <laughs> did you call? Did you say the Insmith look? Yeah. Wait, he's <laughs> what? Steve Buscemi has the I can hear it that before. Oh has the God. what look? I can't hear oh the word you're saying. I N N S M O U T H. The ins- there is a okay. The Shadow Over Innsmouth is a seminal piece of weird fiction from horror writer H.P. Lovecraft, and in it he talks about a town that has been corrupted by a deal made with fish people, so that it through <laughs> interbreeding, some people in Innsmouth have especially wrinkly necks and faces. And they have protuberant wet eyes and large mouths. And every once in a while, I see an actor and I go, oh, they've got the Innsmouth look. And one of them okay. is You must be a white dude because you bring up Lovecraft like every episode. What was the last time? I actually, now that I've, I don't want to say it because I'm like, do, do shit. Did I say it during Nim? I'm a thousand percent sure. All right. Well, someone listen to Nim and write in and let me know if I brought up H.P. Lovecraft and I will send you a shiny Buffalo nickel. <laughs> um, well, now I can't even remember what I was going to say. Okay. I don't know. I think Rorik here. Yeah. I don't think I don't think that she is seeing him. So you think we're seeing Rory Kinnear, but she's yes. not. Yes, because what otherwise she would say something. Serve? Otherwise, she would say something. Okay, Phil, I think you need what, to tell me what that means in the in the narrative of the movie. That why would we be why why would that be the aesthetic choice that is made in this movie? For because us, it's creepy as fuck. Because it's creepy as fuck. Is, is it, it not creepy? No, <laughs> I didn't think so. No, okay, it's only creepy if I think she's it's creepy. seeing them all. Because it says something about her mind. Seeing a bunch of people, like I'm not creeped out by the clumps, you know. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
Like it doesn't make it literally. I, how does how does that context work? Because it's a bunch of people played by the same is the person. Clubs. That is not the yeah, first time I've heard that, this movie compared. I have that is not the first comparison I've heard. Yeah, that is not. I understand what the clumps are, Brian. Don't explain the clumps to me. Don't what I'm saying is th- th- this this <laughs> this is not the same context. This is this is a horror thriller body like. You know, you're literally horror describing energy the film. Oh my god, Bryant! <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm. So, I just. Okay. I just. I can't. I would. I need someone to write in. If you agree with Bill that we as an audience are seeing Rory Kinnear, but Jesse Buckley is seeing a bunch of other people, I am so sorry. My sister is FaceTiming me, probably to say happy birthday. Late loser. Can I, can I answer this on air? Does anyone? I'm just no. Okay. No, I'm just <laughs> Lauren. Oh, hi, Grace. I need to call you back in like half an hour. This guy just wants to brag. He's got quote unquote family that <laughs> <laughs> cares about him and calls him on his birthday. My, my niece was Gross. upset that she wasn't going to be able to say happy birthday to me late because I told my family not to call me yesterday because of the distillery thing. Which is me bragging about how I was able to pull off a 90-person strong art show. Anyway, what were we talking about? I feel like um, we were talking about the fact that you oh, yes. think that she if, does see all these people, and I say she doesn't. She just is moving across this film and seeing the representations of her interpretation of this. So she is basically like, you're a blank canvas, you're a blank canvas, you're a blank canvas. And for us, we are seeing the same person repeated over and over because that's just kind of like... Okay. If he's like but human, that's That's canvas. like... <laughs> that's like what what this is supposed to be to me is her just sing, simply trying to escape right trying to get some solitude and she just keeps running into men after men after men after men in this little village and she just doesn't want any part of it and so for us it is building on that symbolism of that she keeps seeing the same person and we're like this is really fucked up are you not seeing this and she's not acknowledging it at all otherwise she would clearly say something right you motherfuckers all look the same i have a question does she not appear to recognize the similarity between jeffrey and or when the police officer is cuffing the green man she has a reaction, right? Like she, like, I am I misremembering that? Will Will anyone come to my my aid and tell me that I'm right? <laughs> like, there is a reaction. She just doesn't bring it up, right? Is I don't there a reaction? remember there. I don't know. But I don't then, remember there being like a big reaction. It wasn't big, but I think there was like a look on her face, like, huh, that, huh? And then, and then yes. when when it's coming at her. She says, what are you like or what are all of you or something like she? Yeah. Yeah, because that that part for sure, like he was. So this is what confused me, I think, because obviously not obvious. I guess obviously is the wrong word here. But at the the, 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 like barrage of men, I think she's real. I thought she interpreted as she's realizing they're all the same guy in different form. Finally. Yes. And it was and it was. But my thing was. Cause we have the point where the green man blows the dandelions at her 
that I don't actually truly mm-hmm. understand what that was. Um, it, yeah, he, it looked really cool, but I wasn't so it's like, sperm. Oh, Robin, you think everything's sperm. I do not. And you're just upset we haven't had a movie with cum in it in a while. You are. You I am. Wow. I'm upset more. you haven't had a movie about cum in it in a while. I know. I we, don't even host this podcast. We had a banner year of Signs of the Lambs and The Green Knight. And it was like, baby, semen is back in a big way. And now <laughs> it's been way too long. Until and now Dan DeLions are here to take up the mantle. Yeah. So the movie, the it was definitely like a jizz sequence. Yeah, which was like so. Well, I mean, that's not hard to hard to interpret because dandelion seeds are literally like reproductive purposes. Right, but are so. just, male? Like, isn't pollen technically the sperm that lands and then it creates the, the, yeah. the ripening seed that because so like really a dandelion seed is more like a zygote than sperm. Isn't it wild? I'm when a man blows in your eye, it's definitely jizz. Yeah, I've never <laughs> had anyone. I've never heard of anyone blowing a zygote in someone's eye. <laughs> Isn't it wild how obtuse this movie is, and how obvious it is at the same time. That's what yes. I'm saying. Yeah, isn't it <laughs> insane? Like the more it. I think about, the more I think about it, and like I'm, I'm serious. Like you are changing my mind, but not in a bad way. Because the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm like. Jesus Christ, maybe you're right. <laughs> this is this is this is a weird ass like this is a weird so ass weird. movie. This it's is so definitely weird. his his weirdest movie by far. And I also I have to fucking worse. say I don't know if it's his weirdest. I think Annihilation okay. is weirder. Uh, Annihilation's got the the human bear hybrid and the the plant people. Well, that, I mean, did that not come from the book, though? No, no. Oh, my God. That book is literally absolutely nothing like that Yeah. He, okay. Because I read, I I read the... Oh, sorry. No, no. You can go, Marybeth. I, I read that he basically read Annihilation and then wrote a script based off what he remembered from it. it like, it wasn't supposed to be like this. Yeah. Which correct. He started drinking yeah. the second chapter and didn't stop until he was done. Because he was like, Area X, blackout. Uh, but I read that author's, I read that author's a, another book from him. I can't remember the name of it right, uh, right off the top of my head, but it's, it's a singular book. It's not part of a trilogy because I wasn't trying to. I was not trying to start a fucking trilogy and uh, that book is fucking weird as fuck. And it's got some weird ass energy. I mean, Annihilation uh, inside of it. Yeah. I mean, Annihilation, the book is, but it is not weird in the way that Annihilation, the movie is weird. Mm -mm. Like the the living, the living organs. What I was trying to say was it's, it's all, it's all Garland. What I was trying to say was that this film looks like it costs quite a bit of money. Obviously, the marketing budget on this was it seems to be pretty high. I've saw this trailer like five times uh, within the last like month and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is definitely not going to be everybody's cup of tea clearly by like the cinema score and all this other stuff. And even like this, this conversation that we're having right now seems very fractured and divided. And it's like, Holy fuck. Someone gave him money to make this. 
Right. He right? Even have and it's clearly, it's clearly not. It, it it's clearly not like messed with either like because there's so much shit where it seems obvious where like that sequence at the end where the the dead bodies or the dead body uh the husband says like i am i am the dead body right and it's like holy fuck that that seems like a note and yet there's like I haven't heard that this was noted to death that this was test screened to death or anything like that like it, it just seems like someone let Alex Garland yeah I'm, I'm gonna bring up Elizabeth exactly Town. I'm gonna bring up Elizabeth Town for the second episode in a row um the, Elizabeth Town Elizabeth Town yes the Orlando Bloom movie that is okay. correct there is oh, interesting <laughs> Yeah, okay. I haven't even said what I'm going to say yet. It's already interesting. Sorry. So, but there's a point in that movie where he has designed this shoe that is a catastrophic loss for the shoe company he works for. And there is a magazine article and the pull quote over the picture of him, like, you know, looking like a genius is, they kind of let me do whatever I wanted. And like, <laughs> that's sort of like the, the bit of hubris and like the, the reason that the company is able to scapegoat him as being the reason they have to like shut down an entire division or something. And I could just feel Alex Garland saying for this movie, they kind of let me do whatever I wanted. And it's like, you know, sometimes a producer helps. Sometimes a voice to say, think about this helps. Like you were saying, Mary Beth, the movie is at times inscrutable. Like when the green man's just like dandelions pop. You know, and we've seen dandelion imagery elsewhere in the film. The film kind of opens with the uh, a CGI dandelion getting blown away. Um, and then we see a dead deer with no eye and then a single dandelion scene going into its eye. And then later on, that deer very de- uh, decomposed and covered in maggots. Not a dandelion growing out of its eye. So I'm still confused about why we watched a dandelion <laughs> go in there. Um, and then she stops in front of a dandelion seed and is like, oh, a dandelion seed when she's running from the naked man. And all that's unexplained. You know, it's not like at some point the vicar is like, the dandelion has come. Um, but <laughs> as cool as that would have been. Dandelion is the cum. That would have been incredible. Everyone knows that, you know, pollen is the cum of nature. Um, but, wow. but what we do get is her having a FaceTime with her friend with an axe behind her and her friend saying something, something I'll come there and kill you with that axe, which is enough of an underlining of the fact that there's an axe in the house. But then they add another underline under it where Jesse Buckley says, what axe? And then a fucking third underline where her friend says the one behind you. Really? Like, what is the writing in this movie is wildly inconsistent with how much it thinks the audience is either going to, like, vibe with it or just be too stupid to live. And I don't find that to be weird. I find that to be messy, which is not the same thing as weird. The weird things can often be messy. And I think it's tonally inconsistent. And I think it is, is unmoored and has no handle on its own narrative, which, again, all could be things that a weird thing does. But just because I had to see seven different vaginas in seven different places on a male body open up to another man fully grown climbing out of them doesn't mean that the movie is weird or interesting. Because the character herself looks bored after the first one. And let's be honest, it doesn't do anything more interesting the next three to five times. No. It happens once and you're like, 
okay, it happens twice in almost the same exact way, and then a third time, and then a fourth time, and then you're just like, okay. get a little bit more horrific each time. I don't find that to be true. It just feels like he keeps repeating the joke, waiting right. for us to laugh. You know how you know how Sideshow Bob steps on a rake. Yeah, steps on a rake and then like you're not laughing. But then the third time he steps on the rake and you're like, Haha, you son of a bitch. Yeah, it's like that. But with with men being. But I didn't open. feel like ha son of a bitch. I'm just like, I get it. Also, what we didn't really talk about is how boring this movie is. I was just. I don't know. I was I was itching. I was taken by by early parts of it. I liked I the scene of her in the, the tunnel. Robin, do you want to give us the uh, the vocalization? <laughs> yes i liked that scene that scene yeah. was like unnerving and creepy and it was really good but then like i don't know i feel like everything after everything after the the naked man was arrested was is when it started to go downhill for me like the vicar i was like oh god are we gonna get like a shitty like it, horny that's vicar? when it became sketch comedy yeah that's when it you know and like i don't know like it's just like the cliches exist for a reason and blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't know. Like I didn't, I don't go to the movies to see the same things that I've seen a hundred times before. Like I'm constantly looking for something different. And if you can end a movie with like five to six different people giving birth to another full grown person. And then, you know, I like, and me just being like, yeah, I understand why the character looks bored by this. Like, what was her direction in that scene? Like, was was it literally Alex Garland saying, okay, this is the point in the movie where you're over the shit. You don't give a shit about men anymore. Just go sit down and wait for them to be done their performative birthing bullshit so you can finally just get to the end. Because that just feels like, again, a bad narrative decision. Mary Beth, thoughts? Um, <laughs> we love cold calling today. I don't I don't know. I don't know how to follow that. Well, I mean, like, what did, <laughs> was what was your reaction to Jesse Buckley's reaction to that? Like, did you so feel anything I, about that whole moment? I, I, yeah, I did. I thought it. I kind of got this feeling of. This is someone who is just so desensitized to wild men shit and she's just like so over it and maybe that's just very generous of me but it kind of just represented this numbness to the traumatic experiences dudes put you through i i thought it was i thought it was really interesting that they showed this sequence where she goes out to the street and is observing her dead husband like mutilated on the ground and it doesn't look like she's reacting to it very much. It well, almost looks the yeah. exact same way that she reacts to these birthing sequences where she's just kind of observing. Well, she's numb. You don't hire Jesse yeah. Buckley unless you want her to stare with her mouth partially open blank face. Oh, you're <laughs> such an anti Buckleyist. Oh, how, oh, I didn't realize that. You? That's rude. <laughs> he is. He talks about how much he can't stand it. Jesse Buckley, like every episode. Oh only, well, that only, how would she whole... know that, <laughs> Robin? First of all, Mary Beth, very upset that you haven't been listening religiously. Sorry, it's fine. 
It's I don't listen to podcasts anymore if it's any consolation. I, I've recently begun to try to get back into podcasts. I know how weird that sounds, <laughs> me being a person who Y'all are so does. fucking well, weird. I, and I'm the same way. I fucking have podcasts, and I'm on podcasts all the time, but I don't listen to podcasts. I don't fucking get it. It's wild. They, I, I used to, like, constantly. And, like, over the course mm-hmm. of the pandemic, I've fallen in and out of love with podcasts as a medium, like, six times. And so I'm coming yep. off of a dry spell and going back to the to the thing well, i know started. a lot of people stopped I, I know a lot of people stopped listening to podcasts if they were during the pandemic because people stopped driving into work and so all of a sudden it was just like oh there is no commute time there is no dead time that i'm actually filling up with right. people talking Before the so pandemic, now it was just like when hmm. i when i worked from home i definitely like there was a pod drop, you know, like, because I was like, I don't have to listen for three hours in the car and nine hours in the office, you know? So I'm not like going through back. I can't, I can't listen to podcasts uh, while working. Like that's not I had for to. me. Uh, stupid open office plans. I was just like, I need to drown out these idiots with other idiots. Uh, and sometimes those idiots were myself. Um, but yeah, I just I'm sorry. Yes, to music. I, I've only I've only ever seen Jesse Buckley, I think, in things that I have not liked. I uh, oh no, I liked her in Chernobyl. I keep forgetting she was in that. Um, but I didn't like her in I'm Thinking of Ending Things, uh, oh. or well, I didn't like that Lost, movie at all, or The Lost Daughter. Oh, what yeah, else have I seen her in. I guess that, that was not a good movie. That was a great movie. Y'all I'm Thinking of Ending Things. No, I'm Thinking of Ending Things is terrible. Lost Daughter. Yeah, Lost Daughter. No, Lost Daughter's terrible, too. You're terrible. I'm sorry. Mary Beth, which of those movies did you say was terrible? None of them. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I must have been, I must have heard Rob. I said you're terrible. Oh, well, that makes more sense. To With me. a capital U-R. Got him. Wow. Wow. You couldn't even give me this full contraction. I suffer no witches today. Am I a witch? Yes. yes. You're a v Did you both just say <laughs> they, they said it? They said it, yes. In unison? Uh, yeah. That might be the so. coolest thing that's ever happened to me. I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> Happy birthday, yeah. motherfucker. Hey, that was even better than the FaceTime call with my niece that I took while we were recording. Um, <laughs> nice tortilla blanket. It was a cute tortilla blanket. She was like, she looked like a little Jawa, but a Jawa that had to use a tortilla blanket. Instead of huh. instead of desert robes of Tatooine. Oh my god. Anyway, yeah. What? So um this movie, you know what? I don't even know. The movie, Bill, I, I keep thinking about you thinking that she's not seeing Roy Kinnear and that only we're seeing Roy Kinnear. And all I can think of is is Anomalisa, which is another movie that I thought of while watching this movie, because of course. Um mm-hmm. but in that movie, it it feels it, it is it is better because literally every human being, man, woman, and child, is all given the voice. It's like a blank face, first of all. Not blank, blank. Like, it's still got features, but it's like just eyes, nose, and mouth. And they're all voiced by Tom Noonan, right? Who mm-hmm. is awesome, by the way. Um, and and he meets one person who's not Tom Noonan and then, like, seduces her and and they have sex. And then, and then slowly but surely she becomes Tom Noonan. Um, and in that movie, they're, they're saying this is a person who's suffering from extreme narcissism and possibly depression. And this is what his life is like. And this is what his world is like. And it's bleak and it's terrible. And he hurts everyone around him because he can't see them as people. And in this movie, 
I don't see how that fits in with that. Like, so what you're saying in terms of she's not seeing it that way, but we're seeing it that way could work and has worked. But in this movie, I don't think that it's making that work in that way. I, I feel like if that is its intention, which again, I'm not positive it is, I think it's it's failing in that way too. Did anyone else think of Anomalisa? I mean, you had to, right? I think it worked. Okay. But like, did anyone else think of like Anomalisa in that way while watching this movie? Or, I haven't seen it all the I way through. I haven't seen it either. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought of Anomalisa because that's... That's what yeah. you think it's doing. No, not necessarily. I just thought of Anomalisa because that's the most similar thing to what's happening on the screen. So... I didn't think it was trying to do the same thing, but I mean, you know, it, it, if if I'm watching a baseball movie and you're like, did you did you think of, I don't know, Angels in the Outfield? I'd probably be like, OK, yeah, sure. Maybe a little bit, you know. Interesting. I don't OK, know. so, uh, but you know, we've been talking for a while. I, I need to we need to clarify something that happened earlier in the episode. Robin, you said you didn't see the after title card sequence. I mean, remind me what it was. It's when her friend shows up and sees the crashed car and the blood everywhere. I don't even consider that. I mean, I thought you were talking about a coda and. No, no. It's like. I I definitely saw that. It's a little bit of a coda. It's more like an epilogue, I guess. Uh, You're you're being very pedantic. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Have you met me? I love that y'all thought that I was saying that about both of y'all How could independently. You? That's yeah. hilarious. We are pedants. Yeah. Robin and I are pedants like crazy. <laughs> Twinsies. Twinsies. I know, but. I can't believe that we The are, fact that I was very notably. I can't believe we're making another. Go ahead. Uh, another running joke on this podcast. Twinsies? Yeah. I mean, like, okay. that's like three running jokes now. In this economy? I mean, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> okay, I did it. Um, but yeah, so okay, so you did see that. So I am, I you know, I would love to know. So that ending where her friend shows up, she sees the blood. Like, do we? Do you feel that that affirms any kind of reality or disaffirms any kind of reality? Like, what is that supposed to say about the literal truth of what happened in this situation? I I saw it as confirmation that it actually happened i was very much and like thought that it was something that actually went down like and it confirms that it wasn't all in her head so do you- what happened though that's the question more oh, the, more oh i guess like the whole thing that we saw the birthing the, the birthing and all that shit oh okay so yeah. do you think like her friend oh. is like stepping over husks as she like Walk uh-huh. to the back to okay. Interesting. This is what I choose to believe. I think because well, there was like blood everywhere, and I kind of I I took it as she is walking in on the aftermath, and she is not comprehending what she's seeing. And so Jesse Buckley sitting with like the single leaf, and then like kind of the look up and smile. Like what do you like? What do you intuit from that? Either narratively um, or thematically. I kind of got it as like a oh like a kind of like a feeling of relief, but also like a little bit in the way 
this is a weird comparison and I'm sorry I'm doing it, but like the smile at the end of Midsommar when Danny smiles at the end, it's they're different <laughs> situations, but it's kind of that like dissociative smile after something very fucked up happens. It's like, unfortunately an A24 thing. I know that it's very annoying to compare things to A24, but had very much that vibe of like relief, but also kind of disconnected from everything that she just experienced. I, I don't think we have to apologize to A24 because they very much are uh, curating their own bullshit at this point. So, you know, I mean, it's, let's, it's like a running joke that they're creating. <laughs> yeah, like we could run through every movie that ends with a woman like smiling or laughing in a way that's supposed to say something like the witch does it. Midsummer does it. This movie does it. Um, I think Ex Machina does it. Like they love to end their movie. With- Was the witch an A twenty four? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. That's right. Uh, the, the Northman is not A twenty four. That's where. So I that's agree. the first one. Robin Barr, any thoughts on on that? Uh, what did we call it? We decided to call it an epilogue, not a coda. No, because mm-hmm. I think by that point I just didn't care if it was real or not it it's like it hit the movie had already sort of betrayed my sense of logic and interest that i did not feel invested one way or the other so i, I didn't had, it didn't bother interpreting it i kind of got to that point too there the cheating like, crackers there's oh a- my god okay first of all i introduced that to you you can't use it against me number two I'm 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 not using it against you. I'm saying that's what happened during this movie. You were like, fuck this movie. And then it gave you that coda or whatever the fuck y'all want to call it. And you're like, nah, <laughs> I refuse to, to, to engage with you. Yeah, kind I of. didn't refuse to engage with it. My issue is that I I found it very what? difficult. Oh, yeah. I, I found it very difficult during the course of the movie. To even figure out what I was supposed to be feeling about the movie. Like, is is this a reality? Is this not reality? Like, are we are we looking at her deteriorating mental state manifesting itself? You know, is there like is, is she in purgatory? You know, is this the island from Lost somehow? Like, what's happening and why? Like, you know, her phone keeps glitching out and she sees like this man's mouth twisted in a scream, I guess. I assume it's Rory Kinnear's mouth. I thought it was just her. I just thought it was her friend's face all kind of fucked up from like, that's, that's a, that's a running joke in like one of these, I don't know, uh, like AT&T wireless commercials where the daughter is staying with the grandparents and she's got a shitty Wi-Fi connection at the mom's house. And so the mom like calls in to like give her a bedtime story and it freezes and the freeze frame is in like this very like scary position. None of y'all have seen this I have commercial. Not, I haven't seen a commercial in 27 years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wow. I don't know. I just like I don't watch a lot I of network to... like live TV, so I just yeah, don't I don't watch a lot enough live TV. Well, that's I only that's know Oprah same Fest here. I, I get commercial, Bill. I watch programs online. I get fed ads. I get fed. 
I mean, I just because I don't watch cable television doesn't mean that I don't watch television and get fed ads. Do y'all not watch anything on like Hulu or anything on? I use my friend's Hulu that's ad. The only ads I see on Hulu are for Okravis. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. I guess y'all also don't watch sports. So my husband watches sport. It's called Formula One. Everyone watches Formula One now. <laughs> He's not special. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> what was I going to say? Um, okay, well, anyway, so I saw Angry Screaming Males. I don't know what everyone else saw. What did everyone else see? Real quick. Mary Beth, Robin, did you see things in the, the static of the thing? Oh, I saw Screaming Face. Yeah. I thought it was Rory Kinnear. Wait, what? In, whenever her phone glitched when she was talking to her friend, did you see screaming face in static? Oh, I didn't. I didn't see visions. No. Oh, all right. Well, uh, interesting. We all right. Well, Mary Beth and I democratically have won. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I just I couldn't figure it out. I didn't know it was real or not. Like her friend is like, "Hey, tell me where you are. I'm going to drive up." Um, and she, even though she's pregnant, which again, like, what does that mean? In the course of this movie, because um, everything at this point, I'm assuming, is a symbol. So, like, what does it mean that she's come to the rescue by a friend who's pregnant? Who knows? Um, does that have anything to do with why she was possibly hallucinating men who were pregnant? Again, who knows? Um, and her friend is like, oh, just like, you know, text me where you are. And she does it. And then she gets a text message. It's like, I know who you are, you stupid bitch. And it's like, OK, all right. So, like, what does that like? Why that? aspects happen and it's and then her friend shows up and there's blood everywhere and she's smiling and i don't know i just like i couldn't figure out if if things were like a nightmare was this was this thing that accosted her in the house taking the form of the men that had been weird to her but were not specifically malevolent in the way this this thing is malevolent you know, it's just like, but like, I'm kind of with Robin where like, by the time that that happened, I just like was so exhausted that I just took it, saw it and then was like, okay, well now at least I know how it ends. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't pull together like a cohesive vision and what the movie got through to me in the initial narrative sense was not compelling enough for me to want to go through and like form a greater thesis. Like I walked out of mother and was excited to spend the next three days Picking over it and you know what we can't all love the same things (laughs) and to spend the next couple days like picking over it in my head and to really chisel out a meaning that made sense to me that I could then share with other people um and this movie I again I just was like I just couldn't do it I couldn't I couldn't make myself even try to make all of it make sense even just on a personal level like I just it it didn't it never cohered in that way so the way that I took it if you want to take it as a generous way, um, because I didn't, I didn't think about it as I was driving home. Um, I've only started thinking about it as we're kind of like replaying what's happened over the course of this podcast about, you know, different narrative interpretations of this and blah, blah, blah. Um, but if you want to take it in a generous way, you could say that the crash car, the imagery that the friend is looking upon, all the terror rot all throughout this little beautiful 
500-year-old Shakespeare potentially inhabited cabin or whatever the fuck this thing is. I don't know what it is. It's a house. Um, That all of that is not actually happened. That the car is perfectly fine. That the door is closed. There isn't a trail of blood. And that her friend isn't looking like she's got blood all over her collar and things like that. That her friend has had a traumatic experience. Her friend went away to try and get away from it. Found a stalker that was naked, right? And decided to, you know, tell her friend about that because as you do and got increasingly agitated as the weekend went on whether by men you know feeding into that or not but basically is starting to kind of unravel which rightfully so like your potentially divorced husband either may or may not have killed himself intentionally and in a very horrific way he was physically violent with you threatening you like you've gone through an experience and that's why like because otherwise i'm left with interpreting this film as saying that she comes across her friend who has gone through this traumatic experience and sat there in the same spot for the last like four hours with blood all over herself and just like just zoning out and i'm like eh, i don't like that so I think that you can interpret it as she's happy to see her friend and that like none of this has actually happened. Just like none of them are all Rory Kinnear to me. So that's a generous interpretation of that. I put it to the group. Do we not see the friend seeing the broken car and the blood and everything though? Yeah, I saw it. I, I literally said that that's that's something that she is witnessing, but is not actually true, right? Mm. Like she is, yeah, she is basically seeing that her her friend has gone through a very traumatic experience, and she's seeing like the wreckage of this car, but it's not actually wrecked. She's seeing blood, like she's basically coming across her friend as this interpretation of all of these things that has happened to her. But when she sees her friend, her friend's going to be looking normal. We are seeing it as her friend's interpretation of all the shit she's gone through this weekend, right? She can't imagine it. She doesn't know what happened, but we're visualizing her interpretation of that. While the friend is actually just sitting there, just like, you know, probably distraught, but not the car's not fucked up. The door's not open and blood strewn all across the place and blah, 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 blah. So we're going to have to wrap up, but I want to try to just wrap my head around this. You think that we are seeing a non-literal artistic representation of what the friend is feeling about Harper's time there and her emotional state that happens to sync up with everything that we saw happening to Harper 
but that everything is actually fine and there's no blood in the car is fine. In like the in the in the concrete reality. Correct. Yeah, the car's not fucked up and there is no blood all throughout that house. Like that that was just a fucked up fever dream sequence. Friend can is is seeing as a in a non-literal way. Correct. Okay, does anyone have any final thoughts before we wrap up for today? Yeah, I have one final thought. Why is this movie about a woman who has the ugliest clothes in the history of the world? <laughs> wait, wait. No, no, no. Okay. Oh, incredible. Is, we're about to get the biggest fight now. That first sweater she wears when she goes out into the woods looks comfy as hell. Comfy? Yeah. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? You can like, wear something like ugly I can I can wear something su- comfy, especially if you are recovering from No. Clothes. No, she went no, to the that, to that no doesn't, that she doesn't give you, for them. that doesn't, that doesn't give you carte blanche to just wear whatever the fuck you want. Like you, there's, <laughs> there's fashion faux pas for a reason. I didn't know like, that Brian like, was, just because, just, I'm willing to just, let just because just you sock. want to wear socks and sandals doesn't mean you should. Like, I'm sure that's comfy, but it's fucking hideous. Don't do that. If Thank no, you. If your plan is not to let anyone see you as her plan appears to be, then let her do what the fuck she wants. She just saw her husband apparently that she just We're not should wear a ski she mask. Can't wear these ugly ass clothes. We're saying that it is truly the most hideous costuming I've seen on film in a long time. Correct. A Correct. Pink dress. Oh my god. The haircut. Ugh. It was I mean, very listen. like hipster Karen, I will say, the haircut. Mm. Mm-hmm. She is an aging millennial who is not yet figured out what the next stage of her life is going to be like fashion wise. Also, her fucking husband just died. <laughs> yeah, Fair and enough. she owned that brown ass sweater before that happened. No, that is a depression <laughs> buy if ever I saw one. No, it's it, it that's the same sweater. Yeah, she definitely owned those clothes before. She got hit setting. in that sweater. Also, let's not she forget. She got hit in that sweater. Her... These people are British. <laughs> yeah. I, I do hear the weather turns on a dime there. They call things brawlies and well. Okay, weather turns yeah. on a dime in New England. Wouldn't see me. I don't know what you wear. <laughs> I live in Texas. Girl, you see me on Instagram. <laughs> I see you on Instagram all the time. It's true. I see your food pics on Instagram. <laughs> what are you talking about? I see your food pics and then I see a headshot. That's what I see on Instagram. Fine, I'll make Nick take more pictures. Good. <laughs> the men have spoken. Jesus Christ. That's how I'm planning on ending this episode, is just saying the men have spoken. Um I don't know. Mary Beth thoughts on the wardrobe. I, like, I don't know. I, I, just I, I was I actually was very fascinated with the wardrobe that looked both cozy and very frumpy and made Jesse Buckley look kind of ugly in a way that I wasn't expecting, which made me sad. You were the expecting this to ugly. Be, you were expecting this to be like a hot Jesse Buckley movie. No, but I wasn't expecting it to be hot widowhood either. Look, widows can be hot. We know this. Yeah. I know. I'm just saying. It's like not an aesthetic you see a lot. Like the Essex serpents, you know, Claire Danes. Is <laughs> oh my like. God, shut up with the fucking Essex serpent. 
<laughs> okay, again, have I been talking about the Essex Serpent a lot? You talked about it on the Count of Three episode. Oh, right, because I was like, if this, if there doesn't end up being a serpent, if the serpent's love or the friends are made along the way, I'm going to be pissed. That is true, yeah. Oh, my God, <laughs> did you finally listen to the Count of Three episode? I'm like 20 minutes in. God damn it, Robin. <laughs> oh, God. Further right. than you got. <laughs> Wait, for the, I was on the Count of Three episode. You don't listen to podcasts. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't listen to the podcasts I'm on. Once this is over, I cast it into the wind. Like a uh, dandelion that represents semen. <laughs> yep. Okay. Right in your eye. <laughs> yep. Just toss it. Right in your little deer eye. God, I just like, it's one of these things. I feel like, I wish I lived with someone who saw this movie just so like every other day I could be like, and what the fuck was up with the other thing? Like, was that like... I assure you, my husband also saw this movie with me and we did not talk about it once after leaving the <laughs> I don't, don't want to talk about it. I just want to be able to, like, throw it out there every now and then. And just be like, what was that about? And the person be like, I don't know. And well, then we just scoff and then we do something else. You In two months, feel free to just randomly tweet and be like, <laughs> what the fuck? Was exactly. this? That's gonna be my Twitter presence from now on. Is yeah, and people are gonna be like, "What's men?" <laughs> what it will be this? forgotten in the cultural imagination. Pretty much. All right. Well, that's it for today. This has been a strange and uh, unusual episode. Um, talking about a strange and unusual movie. Um, before we uh, get wait, here, what you just <laughs> you just spent this whole podcast saying that it's not strange or unusual. I said this movie was incredibly strange. I didn't say that made it good. And I didn't say that. I said that weird was not an excuse for being narratively inert and nonsensical. I said that like he's made weirder movies. That doesn't mean this one isn't slightly weird in itself. But like being weird is not a thing you can say to paper over all the various problems in this movie. I'm not saying that. Okay. We're we're ending this podcast. Um <laughs> Uh, follow us on Twitter at Film State Show, Facebook the Film State Show. Go to patreoncom Show to give us your money. And um, uh, yeah, what are we talking about next week, Robin? Top Gun Maverick. Hell yes! <laughs> Danger Zone. I, I'm asking for none of us have seen it, so there's no spoilers here. But I'm asking for a snap judgment. Will that movie involve more shots of uh, crowning than this movie does? Oh. What? Fuck? I'm going to say no. <laughs> Are you talking about giving birth? Yeah. Oh, uh, Jesus. Uh, oh, my God. Anyway. I, why Why did you go with that? Because <laughs> the, the answer is obviously no, and it's an opening for people to make jokes, unless they don't understand that by crowning, I mean watching a baby's head leave the birth canal. But anyway, that's all for today. Um, it's been a strange episode. Very bad. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let us tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time. Mary Beth, where can people find your work or follow you online? Um, they can follow my Twitter at MB McAndrews. You should also follow Dread Central at Dread Central on Twitter. And then you can follow my podcast at Scarred podcast for scarred for life where my co-host and i talk to people in the horror world about the movie that scared them as kids and then at wona w-o-n-a podcast watch once never again where me and my co-host talk about disturbing movies nice 
And those are both two podcasts that sound incredible. And now that I'm in my podcast listening renaissance, I will uh, listen to at least one of them. Hell yeah. I, I remember you talking about those and like, especially like the scarred for life one and just me immediately being like, oh yes, I have like 12 of those movies. I can't wait. Yeah. So yeah. It's fun. It's very fun. It goddamn sounds like it. Um, all right. Bill Graham, what about you? Where can people follow you or uh, check out your stuff online? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at cable BFG. I will not be randomly tweeting about this movie in two months. Uh, but you can find me on Instagram at Billstagram and you can find me mixing it up on the Slack channel. I'm curious to see what Seaver thinks about this film. No, he's got the A24 membership, so obviously he will be seeing this. You think so? <laughs> that made, that A24 oh, membership yes. is, is a laugh, though, because you don't even get access to the movies. You get like a keychain. But anyway, Robin Barr, what about your... I, I don't get it. Robin? What? <laughs> okay. What about no, you? you were about to have a conversation about... You weren't ready for me yet. I, li- <laughs> I literally stopped talking 20 seconds. <laughs> what? And then Bill is like, I don't get it. And then I was waiting for the, like, snipe, so... No, I'm I'm done. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so, okay. what? So, you Where can find me on Twitter from? at Robin Barr, R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. You can also sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. Awesome. As for me, uh, my personal site, BrideDrone.com, you can find out more about the whiskey that I launched this weekend at inkwellwhiskey.com or schmidtspirits.com. And of course, uh, you can listen to this episode, every episode of this podcast, and find all my writing over at thefilmstage.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next time. Turn around, turn around.